Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers. And typically, uh, recap a game the week before, preview a game the following week, but clearly the wheels have come off of the Chargers season. Um, Jobs were lost, uh, staff changes were made, so Lowe's certainly going to focus a, a little bit more on you know, kind of what led to Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco being released, um, what we should expect from from Giff Smith and, and JoJo Wooden moving forward as the interim head coach and, and general manager, respectively, and, and then what the future holds for the Spanos family, the search, and what we ought to look for and expect for new leadership come 2024. But I'll just kind of lean on you to start us here, Low and and what it's like being part, I don't know if you've ever been, I would assume you've never been part of a game like that, where the Raiders score the most points in franchise history, the Chargers allow the most points in franchise history. It's on national television on a standalone game, but I can only imagine what the feeling is as a player when you're down 48 nothing at the half. Yeah, I, it, it was it was bad, Alex. You know, when you look at the money and think about what happened to him, Smith, it's just like, wow, what is the Chargers doing? And the way that that game was lost money was just... It's, it's, it's inexcusable. And Matt, when you think about just from from jump, fumble kickoff returns, fumble punt, getting stripped, that's a lack of attention to detail, but it also comes from mental. That's the thing. That's why you had to make this move. When you think about just the mental part of the game, what happened to these Chargers, not being prepared mentally, let alone physically, but mentally, when you walk on the field, you have to be in a mindset that, hey, look, I'm going to play physical and I'm going to do my job. And I'm going to tell you right now, the players quit, the coaches quit. It was a horrible, horrible day, evening for the for the Chargers on national TV. That game will go down infamous in history, what the Raiders were able to do, especially a week before money. You know, Matt, they only scored, what, through yeah. zero, six? Zero. Z- scored zero. And now zero next week, you, you're going to put 60, almost 70 points? Inexcusable. Yeah. It was. And, you know, I get it. Games can can get away from you. And it was back to back to back fumbles, one by Easton Stick, where the ball just came out of his hand, wasn't even stripped. He just kind of whatever, lost the grip, turned into seven points. Now you're down 14-0. Josh Kelly fumbles. Now you're down 21 nothing. And then for whatever reason, Darius Davis, who's been one of, if not the best punt returner in the NFL this season, has a clear lane up the right sideline and decides to cut back toward the middle of the field backwards, doesn't see a guy coming, gets stripped. And that's a sh- every one of those drives for the Raiders started on the Chargers side of the field. Uh, the Darius Davis, you know, starting around the 12-yard line, and now it's 28-0. And I get it. With everything that's gone wrong this season, Easton Sticks first start, no Keenan Allen. He didn't even make the trip. You know, it's – I get it. I get that it can just get away from you. But you said something in there that I I would never say because I, you know, as I regularly point out, I I weigh all of 155 pounds. I'm not going to talk about guys quitting or not quitting on the football field, considering how violent that game is and the physical punishment they put themselves through. But it looked like there were guys out there that were not interested in being on that field uh, come the 10 minute mark of the first quarter. And they had to play three plus quarters of football still. And that's how you end up with a 63 spot. Yeah. They were turning it down. You saw, go watch that. And I know Matt, you watch tape. I talked to you and you always say, Hey, look, I went and watched you showed me plays. 
Go watch some of those tapes and you can see guys running away, not necessarily running to the pal. You had one guy trying to make a tackle. Where's the help? Usually swarm tackle. That was not there. It was not there. The inability for guys to tackle collectively and just as a team and say, where is the energy? You saw guys on the sideline. I was watching the TV copy and you saw guys on the sideline. Matt, their heads were hung down. They didn't want to come out. You saw them the way that they were acting. It was like, wow, you saw the sideline. It was just, it was dead. There was no life on the sideline. You knew that those men had checked out and tapped out. And even though they say, man, I was trying physically. Yes, but mentally when you're in there and you quit and, and when you retired, Brett Favre, for instance, when Brett was done, that one year when he said he's done and they flew the jet and all the guys went and picked him up, mentally he already had checked out. Why do you think he had that horrible year when he came back? Because he wasn't playing for himself. He was playing for his teammates and he was saying, I'm just going to go because they thought we can get back to a Super Bowl. When you check out, and even though you think you're playing physically and you think you're playing at the high level, that's what I'm talking about, guys, when I say they quit. Because they think, oh, I'm still playing hard. I'm just telling you, playing 17 years in this National Football League, I know how it works. And it's it's a, it's a part that you think you're playing, but something is just not connecting. And it was showed and it was evident with the Chargers' performance of the night. When I'm calling the game with DJ and Shannon, that I just – you know, I said it out loud. I said, man, I hope Khalil Mack does not get his 100 sack in this game. Uh, he's out there busting his tail and he's still going. I would just pull him and sit him because I do not want that guy to reach that milestone in this game. That That's the guy had six sacks against the Raiders, you know, in week four. Uh, and here they're down 49 to nothing and 63 to seven at one point. And the last thing that I want to see is him achieving that career milestone in that mess of a game. Oh, no question. I was in the same church as you. When you see, especially a guy, when you saw the heart and you watch when you watch him on the sideline and just, you just like, wow, here's a guy that you know is giving us all understanding what's at, at stake and understanding how to be a pro and how to be a champion. The guy is a champion and he is a pro. He's a, he is a player's coach. He's a player. He is a guy that yeah. you can depend on and to see him out there and struggling no none of your brothers come to your aid and yeah they, they they tried but this is just this is when you knew that staley has lost the team the plays you keep pointing out but also when you just watch staley on the sideline and you know that he wants to win and you know god you're like dad what's going on you just know that those men he could not. He did not have the ability to get those guys to want it and to work hard. And it's not that he does. It's not. And that's the hard thing, Matt. So some people say, oh, what's wrong with Staley? Well, he can't coach. No, Staley's won a Super Bowl. He's a great defensive coordinator. But sometimes, Matt, there's not leader. You're not just a leader of men. And that's what a lot of coaches It's because they know X's and O's. Doesn't mean that they're a leader of men. And that's what happened with Staley. And when you're a coach like that, you got to make sure you have some ass got some coaches that has the ass in them that you know that they're mean coaches that are going to be in guys face if you're assistant coaching you don't dictate like that you better make sure you have your coaches that you can get your message out to guys because if you're the leader and guys know that they can get over guys know they don't have to practice hard guys know that you know hey look coach don't take care of me because he respects you and he treats you like men sometimes man i'm just gonna be honest guys don't deserve it they do not deserve it. And like, oh, well, he treats me. You know what? Sometimes, I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes athletes, we take it for granted, and we don't need to be t- treated that way. you got to treat with an iron fist to make sure you get guys going to buy in and, and, and commit to the to the process. Because if you don't sometimes, 
guys will take advantage of it. And that's just how it is. And people don't want to hear the truth, but it is the truth. And you saw that, that guys, the buy-in was not there. They might say all they want to say, but now you're going to have to bring in a guy that's going to clean house and a guy that's going to be in these guys' space and demand excellence. It's got to happen. You know, this, I don't want this to sound too harsh because I, but, but I think this is the best way to describe it. Essentially for three years, I think the one thing that sticks out about his tenure as the Chargers coach is losers. His team, the, his teams figured out how to lose games over and over again. You know, the Sunday, like I think about his first year, right? Week 18, a tie gets you in, a win gets you in. They end up having that incredible fourth quarter comeback to overcome some earlier decisions, going forward on your own 30, you know, those sort of things. Herbert just puts them on his back, gets them into overtime, and just the decision-making, the inability to call timeout at the right time to force the Raiders to have to kick that field goal or think about kicking that field goal with 40 seconds left and Justin Herbert waiting. Are you really going to attempt a 52-yarder? I don't think so. I think you're going to go ahead and settle for the tie and both you guys get things like that. Right. So that's how you lost that game. Yeah. You'd lose. You lost the game against the, the Dolphins in week one this year. You've got a lead and you got Tyree kill on an Island with Ja Taylor and no safety yeah. help. Like you, he figured out how to turn this group into losers. And that's, that's ultimately what I will remember. And I, in, in, in all due respect, and I think you're, you're being honest, and that's what you—that's what's tough because we know the kind of man Coach Staley is, and you like him yeah. as a person. And so did I. I was able to go sit in the office with him and talk X's and O's. He would he would invite the older players and the My ex guy. players. He's an unbelievable guy. And I can ask you, if you look at Antonio, you see what the Raiders are doing. You can't tell me that if you put those two coaches, the interim coach right now with the Raiders, you put him and Staley in a room together and let him go X's and O's, it wouldn't even be close. Staley no. will take him to the woodpile. And you know that. But the yeah, difference 100%. is, but what is the biggest difference? Those players and the Raiders, they believe in their coach and they're willing to fight for him. And that's the part that people don't understand. It's not that Staley wouldn't run circles around Antonio, but look how those men are able to, they don't quit. Look at Raiders. They still lose games, but the competitive product is on the field. That's what the Chargers have lost, Matt, is the competitive edge. And that's what's right. that, that's why these things, this drastic change had to be made because the competitive edge is not there with this organization. And that's why the Spanos had no other alternative but to make this move. Yeah, you, you, you know, you talked about you talked about having a little salt in you, right? And being able to get in these players' faces and not wanting to be their friend, you know, to be there to, you know, I, I shouldn't say not want to be their friend. You know, you want to be a partner with you want to partner with them. You want that you want to respect them and you want right. them to respect you. There's there's a seminal moment that I think of, you know, when it comes to maybe blurring that line. And and it came in that Jacksonville game that you're up 27, nothing. You lose 31 to 30. You're up 27 to zero. You lose 31 to 30. And I get it. Joey Bosa was losing his mind. Because Jawan Taylor, A, is lined up two yards off the line of scrimmage, and B, is jumping out of his stance before the ball is snapped, and the refs would not call it. And we saw it in week one, right, against the Chiefs when everybody was pointing out, how is this guy getting away with this? How is he lined up so far? Well, that's why Joey was so frustrated in that game, because that's what Taylor was doing. And it was an incredible competitive 
advantage. So, you know, the game is now getting away from them. Bosa finally snaps, loses it, gets the 15-yard penalty for screaming at the official as he's walking to the sideline, throws his helmet, basically having a temper tantrum like a petulant child. And instead of pointing, grabbing Bosa by the jersey and saying, go pick up your helmet and get the hell off the field. And setting an example, Brandon Staley walked over, picked up the helmet, and handed it back to Joey. Mm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, man. That, that is just, that, I get it. The guy's frustrated. You're trying to keep his head in the game, but it's, it's too far gone, and there's 52 other guys watching you. No, no question. And that just, and that to me was, that was just, I'll never forget it. I will never forget, and in the moment, not saying it on the air, but in the moment saying, oh, wow, that's just, that's not okay. That's not good. Matt, you're, you're absolutely right. And, it, and it's great that people that you're able to see that, Matt, and you've been, a, and that's the thing. You're not sitting here saying you're a coach and you can out coach, but you, no. for you as a distance can see this because you've been around the sports, you've been around these men, you've been around the athletes and you know, sometimes you've got to be pushed. That moment is where coach says, get your butt off the field, boom, go in the locker room, whatever you have to do, you have to make a statement. When you go and pick up a helmet, you're, you're surrendering and condoning that type of behavior. Yeah. And that's what the Chargers done. They condoned losing. And that's what, you, that. and it's not intentional, but it's like, dude, you let guys off the hook. And like you said, when, when I talk about football, I always say, if all things being equal, players are going to make plays. You get Jerry Rice and you're going to say, guard him man to man and say, we're going to double Jerry. We're going to put the safety over the top. We're going to jam him at the line. Right. We're going to hit a linebacker. And that's a play, the coach making the decision because he knows the player is going to make plays. So he has to make a decision that's going to help determine the outcome of the game. And that's what Staley did not do on a consistent basis. Exactly. And it's just, it's, it's, I wish I had an answer. Like I said, we like him. You know, we we like Coach a lot. He's, I, I I'm at a loss for words. No, I think I, I, I am. You know, I just because I just feel like the, I don't want to. I don't want to pour it on. You don't want to pound no, on the guy. I don't. You don't want to pound on the guy because you know what he meant and you know what he wants. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate. And and, and and you see that, and and you're starting to see that, and now you're in a situation. Where does the Chargers go from here, Matt? When you're talking well, that's, about that's perfect. No, let's flip it. Yeah. So because because we can because we're going to be dead, you know we're going to be bloom yeah. you know Debbie do it downer. So how do you think they turn the page with several games left? How do you turn the page and and, and show that you're you're heading? So here's I think there's a couple things that a couple myths that I'd like to dispel. And again, I work. Yeah, I work for the team. Whatever. There, there's the logo on the the team issued warm up that I got on right now. The idea that the that the Spanos family is cheap and doesn't spend money, you just can't look at the last five years and continue that narrative. You can't no. look at the contract handed to Bosa to Derwin James, the highest paid center and so Bosa, highest paid DN, Derwin, highest paid safety, Corey Lindsley, highest paid center, JC Jackson, highest paid defensive free agent in the cycle two years ago, Justin Herbert, highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Now that's just players. And I understand people are like, well, that's different. Everybody's got the same rules. You got to pay somebody something. Okay, well, let's go back to this summer. They thought they had a shot at the Super Bowl this year. They wrote checks for a hundred million bucks this offseason to push money, to convert to signing bonus from salary, from roster bonus, to take money from the back end of those contracts, put it here so they could put void years on and keep everyone. 
Remember going into this season, the speculation was, are they going to cut Khalil Mack? Are they going to trade Bosa? Are they going to trade Mike Williams? Are they going to cut Keenan Allen? Are they going to cut Austin? Like, that's what all the conversation was. How are they going to get the money right, knowing that Justin Herbert's getting a quarter of a billion-dollar contract coming? And they did none of it. They figured out, we think we can win, so let's make it happen. Let's spend the money and let's make it happen. Final point, something the fans have nothing to do with. The fans are not going to pay a single cent for a practice facility. They are paying for players on the field. They are paying for the, – the practice facility is for the players, is for the football product. It's for building what they believe is the premier facility headquarters in the National Football League, and they just spent $300 million on that in El Segundo. So they can be right next to LAX, right next to SoFi, not have to deal with LA traffic when the players are coming to work or going from the facility to the to the stadium, facility to the airport, airplane to the facility at three in the morning when you're coming home from the East Coast. That's 300 million bucks to get prime real estate in the South Bay to build that facility. So that to me signals, okay, it's different. It is different in LA. They, they are sinking serious cash into this. So they're going to spend money on a coach if that's the coach they want. I have no doubt. You look, the best way I can describe this is you want to you want a, a head coach that's going to cost you instead of four and a half million bucks, twelve million bucks. Well, guess what? That's the going rate for a top shelf guard, for a linebacker. For so, what's going to have a bigger impact on your team? An interior lineman and free agency, or the head coach? You can spend the money on a head coach. That, that's just the reality. When, when, you know, when you're writing out the checks they are for players, you can obviously say, okay, instead of this player, we're going to have to draft some old linemen in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, these interior guys, and find it there. We can't carry the most expensive center in the league anymore with Justin Herbert's contract. We're simply just going to have to move this money around. And if that's what it's going to cost, it's $15 million bucks. If it's $12 million bucks. If it's $18 million, I firmly believe they'll spend it. I do too, and I, and I think that they have to because when you're looking at this team, you have you your cupboards are full. You have some players on that team. You got to change the way these guys think. The mindset of some of these players got to change. Matt, they have to change, and they have to be able to understand yeah. that they need to win. So you're going to have to get a coach. I don't know if it's Harbaugh. I know people are talking about Harbaugh. I've heard that's you it. Know, See, it's funny you say that, Low, because that's the name I get from all the when I walk around, and I'm in Chargers country here in in Orange County. There's a lot of Charger fans. I know people find it hard to believe there's no Charger fans. No, there are, and there's a lot of them because they come up to me all the time. That is the one name. I'm telling you, Lo, it's 20 to 1 Harbaugh compared to anybody else. And because Michigan's offered him another four-year extension. Harbaugh, you have to realize this. He was at San Diego University. He was right down the street. He used to come to the facility, grab stuff. He would come over, come to the facility. He has a great relationship with the Spanos. He is a guy that can work. He's a guy that knows how to build tough teams. Look what he did with the Niners. Look what he did with, with, with Michigan. Michigan may not never win a national title, but I can tell you right now, you can't tell me that Michigan's not physical. You can't tell me the 49ers wasn't physical. You can't tell me that what he does is he brings in a physicality and your team is no longer soft. He won't allow it. That's what they need. Harbaugh's a little quirky, jerky. Yeah. I've had, I've known him he personally. Is. I I've known his brother. I'm gonna see his brother this week in San Francisco. You know, and but they're they they're a family man. They are winners. You have to bring someone in that's going to go ahead and be in guys' face and do the things he that he's going to accept from them to make sure this team gets where it needs to come get. Because three years, I'm telling you, 
you know what, Matt? This has been the most disappointing year out of all three of the years. This no has, because you had the talent, you went out and, brought, and kept Eckler, kept those guys you said that people thought they was going to get cut or salary cap, move in another direction. You kept them. You made sure you found a way to keep every your team intact, and it still didn't work. You had to make this move, but this has been a huge disappointment, and you got to hire the right coach because your fans, they're demanding. So a couple things, and I'll look, and, and I'm sure there are plenty of other you just think about this last cycle when they hired Brandon Staley, who was in high demand. They hired him because they felt if they let him fly to Florida to meet with Howie Roseman, he was going to hire him to be the Eagles head coach. And that was kind of the word behind the scenes, which is why they gave him a little bit more money so he didn't get on that plane. So it's not like he, there weren't other people that wanted Brandon Staley. He just coordinated the number one defense in the NFL, and the Rams had completely dominated. So they get Brandon Staley. The Eagles get Nick Sirianni, who has one of the worst introductory press conferences of a head coach ever, and everybody's making fun of the, the the hiring. And what does he do? He takes him to with a smidge of knocking off the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and he's a heck of a coach. You just don't know. Some of these coordinators can be great head coaches. Shane Steichen, Indianapolis, in the hunt right now to, to make the postseason in a season where they figured this was a, a, a write-off year just try to develop Anthony Richardson and this is a long-term play. No, he's got him in the midst. So you just, you never know, but I'll say this about Harbaugh. You brought up Michigan university of San Diego. I was fortunate to call a ton of college football. And the second Harbaugh got hired at Stanford was when I had just started calling college football. And because I'm on the West coast, I called so many Stanford games. I can't, I, I mean, I probably called 10 of his games and I did it with Curtis Conway, who was his teammate in Chicago, so I got to spend time on the field with he and Seaway chatting it up and hanging out. I have never seen a transformation of a football team like what that man did at Stanford. You cannot overstate. He ran Pete Carroll out of college football at Stanford. Yeah. At Stanford, he ran – he ended the USC reign. He created the most physical yep. team in the Pac-12 – Maybe in the nation, he flipped guys from offense to defense, from defense to offense. Toby Gerhardt was robbed of the Heisman Trophy, and he punished you. I mean, he punished, punished teams for 60 minutes. And I call, I called the what's your deal game. The, the Pete Carroll at, at, at midfield at the Coliseum when he just kept pouring it on. And I remember, I remember talking to Toby Gerhardt. Uh, after that, and he had said that a couple of the the USC players, he wouldn't name them, came up to him and said, "Dude, what like what are you guys doing? It's fourth quarter. Are we not are we not backing off at this point? Like he had punished them into submission, and that was when Pete Carroll came to the to the 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 logo at midfield and said, <laughs> "What's your deal?" And Harbaugh looked right at him and said, "What's your deal?" And that was the handshake. I love Harbaugh. That's the tone. Like yeah. that's winning culture, physicality. Like if you. If you're Andy Reid or you're Sean Payton, you want Jim Harbaugh in your division? You don't want Harbaugh here. You Heck don't want no. Him. no. Heck no. You don't want Bill Belichick in your division. No. You don't want Jim Harbaugh in your division. Like, that's the way I look at it. And I can tell you right now, because he's already proven he'll pay for a head coach. He already fired Josh McDaniels with $10 bucks a year on his contract. He fired John Gruden with $10 bucks a year on his contract. It might be a race for Harbaugh between the Raiders and the and the Chargers. And I can tell you right now, I do not want to be the fourth team 
in this league with a first-time head coach and coordinator if the Chargers or the Raiders are going to hire either Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh? Because I do not want to go against Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Jim Harbaugh, and or Bill Belichick. That is not something I want to deal with moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And if you ask me, I think Har- I think Harbaugh has a better chance for the – I wish Harbaugh go to the Chargers. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't think that the Raiders would bring in Belichick because – what just who the coach just got fired? Yeah. So I think Daniels. So I, I I and so I don't know if that happened, but I would totally want Harbaugh because I'm telling you, he would change the dynamics of the Chargers. He would change just everything about that organization, Matt. You've seen him up close and personal. You know what he's going to do. I'm telling you, this would be the hire. And and I heard also the Baltimore, one of their one of their scouts, one of their front office guys are in the mix as well. So it's going to be interesting just to see what the Chargers does. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Just quickly as we wrap it up, I want your guy up there in San Francisco, Adam Peters. That's the guy to hire as uh, as GM. He's that that dude is bright. He's one everywhere he is. That's the dude. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, exciting. <laughs> Moving forward, they play the Bills. We didn't even cover that game. No big deal. Uh, I'll just end with this. Low. Play the kids. You know. Look at the contracts. Figure out. Not coming back, not coming back, not coming back, not get the kids out there. And let's I'm figure out if they can play and what you got to do in the draft if they can't. Let's take these three games to sort out some of these, the Dayon Henleys, the Scott Matlocks, JT Woods, get them all out there. And let's, let's Isaiah Spiller, get him 20 carries a game. Let's, let's kind of start Jordan McFadden, interior yeah. lineman. Let's like, let's get going and let's see what we got. That's, that's kind of what I'd like to see. I'm with you. Play, play the kids, play the hits. Let these young kids play. See what you got in the barn. All right, Lo. We'll uh, we'll hit it again next week. I do want to remind the people. Um, next week it's a Saturday game, so prime time against the Bills, first ever Peacock game. So uh, again, we make history as a standalone game. I can only hope that it goes a little bit better than the one on Thursday. No question. All right, we'll be back next week. Appreciate you all checking out Believe in Chargers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.